Oh, it's Ken Cotton! That's what it's called, pantophobia. Not fear of pants, though, if that's what you're thinking. It's fear of everything. You want to die, you also have these pink splotches. Hello, Jeff Wag here from the College of Curiosity. Not content with just one fear, Known was kind enough to share another with us. This one can only be described as rational. Here are Known and Aubrey once again. What is your other fear? My other fear is poison oak. It's in the trees. It's coming. Nobody likes poison oak because they're like, oh, that's a plant that can give me a rash. So, of course, I wouldn't like that. But yeah. what do, you, do you feel like you are more do you break out in hives before even touching it because you're like oh no there it is there are people who are more allergic to it and my mother for instance she's essentially annie oakley meets like daniel boone and she's like hiking she is awesome and she kicks my ass or she can and she's out there like hunting and hiking and stuff like all the time and like never gets it so i think there are certain types of people who what for whatever reason they're they're not like allergic to it like they can get it but whereas i'm like i'm just highly allergic generally person so if you get it you'll really get it yeah my my doc told me that like at the time like i'm the worst case he's ever seen and he had been practicing for like 35 years that's not what you want to hear from. That's not what I want to hear. He had, ever. he had, like, I have abnormally high levels of histamine. Oh, good. Uh, we yeah. all have, like, naturally incurring histamine in our systems, but I have had very, very high, um, which is abnormal. I think that plays a role in my fear and, and of, of poison oak because I can just, when I get it, it's just lights out. Like, it's going everywhere. And so I feel like, <laughs> I do feel like, you know, it sort of, keeps me from doing stuff that I maybe want to do sometimes. It's miserable. It's a miserable existence. I, I feel like I have a little bit of a PTSD. So, right. That's the next question I was going to ask was, was there a traumatic introduction to this plant that made you afraid of it for the rest of your life? Or did you always just know, were you always like, it could happen <laughs> at any moment and then it did? Yeah, I partially grew up in um, the Central Coast area of California in like San Luis Obispo area. And it's it's everywhere up there. There was even a story of a new high school teacher at Arroyo Grande High School. She was new in town, you know, very excited about her new job, naturally so. And she goes out hiking one day and sees this, you know, green and red colored plant with leaves. And it's very pretty. And she like snips a bunch and brings them home and then puts them up in her puts them up in her classroom, you know, sort of framing the chalkboard you know and then of course it's poison oak and she's like out for like a month you know who'd they send in to take (laughs) it down because i mean i'm assuming they wanted it to be out of the classroom so the kids wouldn't get it oh it's the poison oak police the pop (laughs) the pop you better call in the the special forces yeah i mean probably like a janitor or something i don't know the unlucky janitor yeah he had some gloves he was ready He certainly had some gloves. So yeah, growing up, I had this built-in fear of it because I heard stories of people getting it, and then people are, you know, cousins and stuff getting it, and my mom getting it, and then oh, I think so you I watched got... it take out your friends and family before it got you. <laughs> exactly. So I think I had gotten it like when I was real young, but like the pivotal story was when I was about ten or eleven. We lived in this old like wooden house, and it was kind of on a hill, and the house was partially sort of under the earth 
it was gross and sort of moldy and that's why probably why I have a lot of allergy issues. <laughs> this was in the early 90s and there was heavy rains and my mom and I were out there, you know, kind of like putting up sandbags and stuff to keep it from coming into the house and we were just like, you know, out there like w- with our hands and sort of moving sticks and stuff around and then, you know, of course the next day I realized my arms are like itchy. I'm like what is this? And of course it's poison oak and I have it everywhere from my feet to my tip of my head and it's awful it's like you're so itchy and you but you can't scratch it because if you scratch it it's just going to get gross and pussy and then like those oils are going to spread everywhere and yeah it's a nightmare you already said that that you feel like you're maybe more allergic to this than do you think you not only are more allergic to it, but that you just run into it more than other people? The reason I'm asking is because I'm scared of spiders. I have a very traumatic spider story that is uh, uh, I tell to everyone I know eventually. Anybody listening who knows me and you have not heard this story, that's amazing. And you'll hear it soon. Uh, <laughs> but it's the sort of thing where you're like, it's crazy that that even happened. And it's even crazier that it happened to a person with an existing fear of spiders. Because it could have happened to anybody else. But sure. instead it happened to me. So I think a lot of people have stories like from uh, talking to other people about fears in my capacity as the president of fears, I've learned that other people have similar stories. So do you have something like that? I think I have Oakdar for sure. When I go out hiking and stuff, everything, you know, becomes poison oak. I'm like, that's poison oak. Stay away. And, you know, I'm sort of like tiptoeing around and like bending and doing sort of gymnastic moves to get around you know get around any sort of plant that may touch my skin i know intellectually that i'm being you know ridiculous and i know that like not everything around me is poison oak but if you ever like hike in that area san Luis Obispo area like it's everywhere it is everywhere there's like a ton of it i think just doing a bunch of that like in my youth and as an adult like i've just become like very scared of it so yes i do think that like if it's not following me, it's certainly just like everywhere and any plant that looks at me wrong, I'm taking it down. <laughs> so have you ever done anything really crazy to avoid a plant that you were sure was poison oak, whether it was or not, like gone extremely far out of your way or taken other extreme measures to avoid touching it? I wish I could say that like I brought some sort of um, flamethrower and just like <laughs> as I'm hiking, just like blowing down like everything in my path. That would be effective uh, for other fears as well. That would be effective for bugs and like right? snakes. I mean, a flamethrower yeah. is a pretty versatile hiking tool, is what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. You you got your you got your gorp and your flamethrower. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what else do you need? Not much else. I, I think it's really just sort of the default way to abstain or, or not have the fear is to just stay indoors, you know, and not <laughs> not go hiking, which, you know, is a bummer because I do love hiking and I love like I love nature and bugs and and all these things. And I love snakes and I love spiders. I'm the opposite of you with spiders. So that that is a bummer because it does sometimes kind of keep me indoors, especially when I'm like up in the Central Coast area. What do you think you'd have to do to get over a fear like this? A lot of times when people really work hard to get over a fear, they're exposing themselves to the thing they're afraid of or... You know, you wouldn't just give yourself poison ivy or poison oak. You wouldn't you wouldn't just go touch it and be like, great, now I have it. See, this is terrible, just like I thought. Yeah, no, I would certainly not do that. I don't know. Like, I think I just have to, like, develop a new perspective on it and know that, like, if I do get it, 
I kind of understand the drill. And the drill being freezing showers, sleep like you're in a coffin, wash your sheets every night, you know, that type of horrifying existence. Do you think that you would be less scared of it to develop that type of perspective if you learned more about how it works? Or do you feel like you already know, have you already done that type of research? Like, what is it in the oil that makes your skin break out and that kind of stuff? No, I don't, I don't think if I knew any more about it, it would, it would help because... <laughs> I think, you know, when I first got it real bad, you know, as a, as a early teenager and now like the tools that we can use to kind of get rid of it or at least like keep it at bay are like much better. Like I remember when I got it that one horrifying time uh, as an early teen, there was a thing called calamine lotion. Have you heard of this? Um, I vaguely know that it's something you use for itchiness, right? Yes. That was huge, I guess, in the early 90s. And it's like this pink bottle and you use cotton balls and you just like dab it on the, you know, the itchy spots. And so not only are you like just so itchy that you want to die you also have these pink splotches like everywhere, <laughs> which you just like look ridiculous. But nowadays they have this stuff called Technu. You basically like shower with it. So like if you go on a hike and there's a chance like maybe there's some oils on your clothing or like on your legs or whatever, you sort of scrub down in a tepid shower to it basically essentially kind of designed to remove any oils. Hmm. That has been, you know, a, a bit of a relief for sure, knowing that that exists have you tried it yes and did oh, absolutely it seem, like did it i like seem effective well i mean i haven't gotten poison oak since my wife and i got it like five years ago or so together <laughs> that was fun <laughs> it's a bonding experience it really was i mean we weren't touching each other or, but or a uh, marriage ending experience depending on <laughs> exactly don't touch me <laughs> After listening to Known's interview, we got together to discuss what could be learned from Known's experience. What is the actual difference of the experience of poison ivy versus poison oak? I know they're two different plants. I looked I've, I've never had both, but I think they produce the same chemical, don't they? They, just, they make you itch, right? It's Urushal is the name of this chemical, and, and it's an oil, and if you get it's in poison oak, poison ivy, poison sumac, it's just this thing, it's an alkaloid that plants produce, big deal. But what happens is if you get it on your skin, it... Uh, it's not bad, except that your body reacts against it sometimes. It's it's like uh, mosquito bites. You're actually mm. allergic to it. It's not it's not like an acid or anything like that. It's something you're allergic to, and not everybody is. Some people don't have any problem with it, and there are animals that can eat the stuff. When I got it, I had a very light reaction to it because I have a bizarre superpower. Like if a mosquito bites me, the mosquito bite goes away like inside of an hour. Yeah, you're probably and, not allergic. Yeah, and so yeah, so I got it once, and like my friends who were also in Cub Scouts with me at the time uh, got it. I had it a little bit on my one arm because it was the only bit that was exposed, and then it went away by the time I went to bed. With mosquitoes, that's something most people can relate to. Like poison ivy is a little bit easier to avoid, even though it's everywhere. You can, it's really easy to identify. But mosquitoes, that's like flying poison ivy. And I will bet there are people that won't go outdoors in the summer because they're afraid of mosquitoes. Oh, probably. Mm -hmm. I mean, people are afraid of everything. While I was listening to Known and his, his issue, I was like, well, he should just move. He should move away from the poison oak, right? That would help. 
Except that it's not actually the poison oak he's allergic to. It's that chemical, and poison ivy is everywhere. You know, yeah. he can't escape it. Well, he has to be committed. If you move to someplace with permafrost, yeah. he'd probably be okay. Get a job at McMurdo Station, I think he'd be okay. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind testing aircraft, he should be... <laughs> up in up Thompson, Manitoba. And just go crazy from the cold, and how there are no other people there. Well, yeah, it would be like The Shining, yeah. like for every day for the rest of his life. <laughs> it sounds like he's got a pretty good handle on it, but you know, unlike a lot of the things we talk about, that's, as you said at the beginning of the episode... That's a real thing to be afraid of. I mean, fear. I don't know about fear yeah, because that's that it's. Word, right? I mean, it's not pleasant. Nobody likes it. It's not like there are some things you can be scared of that other people will go like, "Oh no, I like that thing," but nobody likes poison oak. No, and nobody's it, like, "I wish I could just have a rash on my entire body." <laughs> and he even said it does mitigate his behavior. He doesn't go out as outside into nature as much as he would like, uh, because of poison oak. Right. No, and this was definitely having an effect on his life. Uh, it was changing his behavior, which to me is kind of the threshold for these things. It's not, oh, I don't like it. Oh, I'm afraid of it. Is it's is this changing your behavior? Is it preventing you from doing things you want to do? That's the threshold for me. That's when it becomes our problem. <laughs> yeah. Our problem on the podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> our issue. I think it's funny how you're always looking for this nice bow to tie on the episodes like like how can we give people hope and how can we show them that the fear isn't so bad or that maybe they won't be afraid always but maybe they will be afraid always to me the fact that we're talking about these fears the fact that we're we name it and we say you know we we recognize you fear we see you uh and we're talking about it and we're talking about it with people who are totally functional awesome adults who, who have their own lives and who are just like everybody listening. They're not weird recluses who just sit in their dark closets like, I hope there's no poison oak in here. Like, <laughs> they're fine. They're fine like everybody. So and he's describing the private life of every internet troll. <laughs> we've already won by, by looking at it straight in the face. We've already won. The people who are listening have already won. Even if somebody out there is also afraid or hates or whatever, whatever we talk about, it's still better. They, they still, that's what the hope is. That somebody else shares their experience and that they're willing to look at their experience and, and think about it and deconstruct it and figure out what's behind it. Well, I want to disagree with you, but I can't. That's perfectly logical and makes <laughs> absolute perfect sense. If you're listening to Pantophobia in order, you'll remember that Known also has a problem with peeing in public. Known is one of the co-hosts of the podcast Joy Sandwich, and as we were producing this episode of Pantophobia, they were producing an episode that might be related to Known's panuresis. Here's the relevant clip. Note they were playing a drinking game in which stories had to be judged as true or false. So, my breakfast story. I was a wee lad, and uh, at the time we were living in um, Santa Ana, California. Bars on our windows. Real shady area <laughs> of Santa Ana at the time. Um, I had to have been, uh, gosh, uh, three or four around there. Maybe five. 
And um, uh, my mom used to, on occasion, make us uh, uh, pancakes. Um, she was very fond of buckwheat pancakes. Uh, my mom is a hippie, and she uh, we didn't have sugar in the house, so she made everything with, you know, to sweeten with, like, molasses and things like that. Anyways, she made these uh, buckwheat pancakes one morning, and... Uh, you know, she, she served my, uh, my sister and I at the time, my, my brothers weren't, weren't, uh, born yet. And, um, <laughs> and so she kind of like serves us at the table and, and we're very excited for pancakes because we, you know, we Your get them. No, my sister was. My my older sister was, um, and my younger brothers were, were not, or or at least uh, Tannen may have been a, a very young baby. Um, I don't recall. Um, but the point is, very excited. Pancakes, pancakes was a treat, and uh, we had pancakes. And uh, my sister, uh, you know, says something along the lines of, you know. You know, where's we need we need some syrup over here. There wasn't any syrup on the table. Uh, my mom kind of like wanders off into the kitchen to grab some syrup, uh, which prompts me to stand up on the table and uh, uh, pull down my pants and uh, pee, urinate all over my uh, sister's pancakes. Um, you know, all the while sort of saying to the air, syrup, 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 syrup. <laughs> Being very proud by this. And uh, that's the story. Do you have yours? Yeah. I'm going to say false. True mother ever. Seriously, you did that? <laughs> it's true. You're a fucking monster. It's true. It's true. This is a true story. Jesus. Damn it. All right. Yep. Did that for you, bud. Thank God. Oh, so you could win one? <laughs> it's collusion. <laughs> collusion. It is not. <laughs> that, what? I, I can't. I thought for sure, just like, no one's better than that. And he's been this, better than that his whole life. You peeing on pancakes? You <laughs> fucking monster, lunatic. Monster. And, you know what? This is the thing. This story gets told at family functions Every single time. Remember the time when Noan peed on my pancakes? Every single time. Like, the other brothers were not born, but they retell the story like they were there watching it. Because they love it so... Damn it, It's ridiculous. Everyone likes a good, you know, urine... (laughs) Pee on the pancake story. And that's our episode. Thanks to Noan Wells once again for sharing his stories. And be sure to check out Joy's Sandwich, available at finer podcast outlets in your town. Our hosts are Mark Gronke, Aubrey Henretti, and myself, Jeff Wagg. This has been a production of the College of Curiosity. You can find us on Facebook and at collegeofcuriosity.com. Hey there, Jeff again. I'd just like to let you know that we have a trip for the curious planned for the first weekend of August 2016. We'll be taking over a dark sky site high in the Colorado Rockies for some exploration and astronomy. During the day, we'll visit some local sites such as Wolf Mountain, where we may have a close encounter with actual wolves, and Bishop's Castle, one man's hand-built fortress in the sky. 
Then we'll gather for a meal and talk about how ancient Americans viewed the stars, and get some instructions for how to use the array of telescopes we'll have set up. If the weather cooperates, and it's likely to, we should be able to see things such as Pluto, nebulae, and galaxies, and the amazing glow of our galactic disk, known as the Milky Way. Space is unlimited, but we only have room for so many. Full details are available at collegeofcuriosity.com. We hope you can join us.